Every once in a while, we get the chance to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. My first memory of something like this came when I was in fifth grade. I was playing house soccer that fall, and the family friend we'd met when he was my first Little League coach, uh, and then wound up co uh, was coaching the team because he coached all of my teams, regardless of sport. I uh, got a soccer team together, so I was on it. And on the first practice, I saw we'd added a couple kids from the normal group of kids that were on this guy's team. Teams that, well, we had more fun than success. That year, I saw some of the new kids, and I realized we have some good players on this team. Where did talented kids come from? And these kids were also some of my best friends, so it was like a dream come true for me. And we got started with the first practice. I could tell that this year was going to be different than any other year. This year we were going to be good. Turns out we were better than good. We went undefeated that year. And not just we got lucky. We crushed teams. Destroyed them. Our closest, right? <laughs> Our closest was a 3-1 win over the other team who killed every other team. Most games we'd win like 7, 8, 9 to nothing. This is how good this team was. It got me on an all-star team. Only two kids from that team didn't make some sort of all-star team, and I was not one of those two kids. That I could not play soccer to save my life, and this team got me on an all-star team. I talk about this soccer team from over 20 years ago that there's no possible way you care about, because there are moments, there are opportunities we have to do things that are bigger than us. Some of them seem silly and trivial when we look back on them. Some of them are monumental moments of change in our lives. We get to experience moments where we become more than just the sum of our parts, where we realize we can do infinitely more together than we can by ourselves. I remember a couple years ago when we began the 2018 sock drive to collect 2,018 socks for the homeless in our community. I remember thinking this might take us to June to get there. I kind of thought that we might get tired of the campaign, lose momentum and commitment before we hit our goal and just have to let it drift away before we reach 2018. But what I remember most is the excitement, the buzz of being part of something like that created. Someone would talk about how they were looking online to find deals for socks to, to, so they could get a lot for a little. Someone else brought in a, a whole box of socks. We encouraged each other and provided excitement for each other, and we were done by mid-March. And looking back on it now, it's like, this church of about 100 people collected 2,018 socks in two and a half months. Talk about doing something bigger than ourselves. It's a powerful feeling to get to be a part of something like that. To get to be a part of doing something bigger than you can do on your own. It's powerful to look at what has been accomplished and to know that you played your part. And your part might not have amounted to much of the whole, but it was significant. It was needed. Jesus gives us that opportunity every single day. The question is, what are we going to do with it? Every day we're given the opportunity to be a part of something larger than ourselves. We get the opportunity to be a part of what God is doing in this world. But in giving us this opportunity, Jesus also gives us a warning. 
In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Jesus is warning us here that when we are trying to do good, to be sure that we don't make a performance out of it. You see, your actions might be a good show, but God won't be cheering. When you do things for someone else, don't call attention to yourself. Giving when done out of love puts the other at the center of our focus. But how often can we take something good and make us the focus? How often can we use our giving to show what good, generous people we are? And so the person being helped or the cause is forced out of the center so that we can put ourselves there. But if we are trying to do something bigger than us, we can't be in the center. That's the whole point, right? If we're about building God's kingdom, or if we're about the work that God is doing in the world, it can't be us that's the main focus. It has to be the person God wants to help or the work God himself is doing that we get to be a part of. Which is why Jesus begins this with the phrase, be careful. Most of that time, we use the phrase because we think there's a good chance that someone could get hurt. Be careful, the stove is hot. If I tell my children to be careful, it's because they're going to do something that could get them hurt. Be careful, don't climb on the table. I'm warning against what could happen soon. Jesus gives us this warning because he cares about our hearts. He knows that if we seek credit for the good we do, if our actions become a performance, then our hearts are going to suffer. If we start thinking it's all about us, then we miss out on God's amazing benefits of being and doing good. Yes, we still get credit for doing good things, but it pales in comparison with what we receive when we give humbly before God. We miss out on being part of something bigger than ourselves, which is much better than anything we can achieve on our own. But Jesus does something else in this passage. Jesus links giving to the poor and spending time with God. I wonder how much we agree with Jesus. Or do we compartmentalize our spiritual lives from our finances? I think sometimes we want our faith to be our faith and our finances to be our finances. And we look at matters of faith with our faith lenses on, and we look at matters of finances with our finance lenses on. But I wonder if that isn't what we've been talking about the last two weeks in terms of having two masters. 
If we have one way of thinking about our faith and one way of thinking about our money, is Christ Lord of both? Or is Christ Lord of our faith and something else is Lord of our money? And does this create division in our heart? What do we think about the Lord of our faith when the Lord of our faith also wants to be Lord of our money? How do we respond? And what of the opposite? What of people who generously allow the Lord of their faith to be the Lord of their money too? How do they feel when they approach their finances? Do they feel undivided in their loyalty? And can they apply their faith to their financial lives in a real way? I think what Jesus is saying here is that if we truly want to be generous givers and experience life more fully, we have to be people of prayer. We will never give in extravagant or sacrificial ways if we are not abiding with God. We need secret places where God can speak to our hearts. No one gives in amazing ways just because there is great need. Extravagant, sacrificial givers do so because their hearts have been changed by spending time with God. They give because their hearts have been converted from the Lord of money to the Lord of faith and life. I read an article recently by a United Methodist Church, uh, by a bishop in the United Methodist Church, and the premise was on the difference between two words pastors are using a lot this month. The first is stewardship, and the second is generosity. If you've been in church in the church world for a while, you're used to the first word. Churches routinely do stewardship campaigns in the fall that seek to have members of the church fill out pledge cards on their expected giving from the upcoming year. It's usually done in the fall in order to coincide with the church putting together their budget for the upcoming year. We get the name, we get the word stewardship from a biblical concept. God tells human beings they are to be stewards over the earth. We are to manage the goings on, we are to utilize the resources we find here in a responsible way. Humans have an ability to reason, and we are to bring that reason to bear on the goings on of the world. And so we take that term, stewardship, and we ask it, we ask you to apply it to your lives. You are to be stewards of the things that God has given to you and to your family. And we challenge you to manage your resources in such a way that honors God and responds to the needs of the church, which is good. I think we need to be challenged to look at whether our life choices and our wallet choices reflect our values. Are we being the best stewards of our resources? Or are there ways that we can be more responsible with the blessings that God has given us? But over the past couple of years, I've been hearing another word used more and more in place of the word stewardship, and that word is generosity. And the bishop's point was there is a big difference between stewardship and generosity. And the difference is precisely the thing that Jesus is getting at in Matthew 6. To me, the difference between stewardship and generosity is the difference between act and being. Stewardship is something we do. It's an action. Generosity is something we are. It's a way of being. Being a good, <clears throat> sorry. Being a good steward is to talk about someone who excels at a job. Being a generous person is to talk of virtue. Being a good steward is a matter of the brain. Being a generous person is a matter of the heart. I think Jesus connects giving with prayer to illuminate this difference. Because I think we are supposed to return a portion of our blessings back to God. I think we are supposed to give our treasure back to God 
Because in doing so, we get to experience more of the life God wants us to live. But that doesn't come just through stewardship. It also comes through generosity. In the article, the bishop says the opposite of generosity is greed. Greed and selfishness. Often, we think uh, that the most philanthropic, the people who give the most money away, are the most selfless and the most generous. But that's not always the case. It's possible to give away a lot of money and still be greedy. It's possible to give away a lot of money and still be selfish. It's possible to give away a lot and count the cost and measure the benefit of giving. And so the giving isn't selfless. It's looking at what I get out of what I'm giving. So we can give without being generous. I think we can also be good stewards without being generous. We can think and manage and give without ever really putting our heart into it. But that doesn't free us. It doesn't let us live more fully. Instead, it probably just increases our hustle, increases our grind. We're still feeling the squeeze. Generosity, on the other hand, is a work that God does in our hearts that allows us to think of the other more than ourselves when we give. And so when we give, we don't feel squeezed. Instead, we feel joy and love because we give out of joy and love. And it's the type of stewardship that God wants us to experience. So how do we get from point A to point B? How do we get from stewardship to generosity? How do we get from where we are to where God wants us to be? Prayer. In prayer, we come to understand more of what God is doing in this world. We put God in the center of what we are doing. And we come to see how we are offered chances to be a part of this bigger picture, part of what God is doing, the, doing in the world. Prayer allows us to see the bigger picture, to see how we are part of something larger than ourselves. And prayer invites us to respond. If we want to experience life more fully, we must respond to, God, to all that God has done for us by seeking to participate in what God is doing in the world. We began this series considering how we are investing our lives. Our goal should be to invest our time, money, and energy in the things of God, things that are so much bigger than what one or two of us can do on our own. Prayer makes us people who want to invest in things that are so much bigger than ourselves, things that are of God. And we are invited to be part of the things that only God can do. And if we can do this, through being part of things that only God can do, our hearts will begin to change. We begin to develop the generosity muscle that God wants us to strengthen. And when we can bring our stewardship brains to work in concert with our generous hearts, then we begin to live the financial lives and the lives in general that God wants for us. But it all starts with prayer. It starts with prayer. It starts with giving. It starts with intentionality. It starts with finding the connection between your head and your heart. And it starts with desiring to do something over and above, to be a part of something more than what you can do on your own. So last week, we passed out these commitment cards. And for those of you that weren't here, for those of you that lost it, fear not, I have some more. There's always more connections. 
or commitment costs. Um, so it's more connection to do. So now the question is, what do we do with these? Last week I asked you to uh, pray about it, to, to consider uh, both when you look, I asked you to, to go home uh, and look at your financial statements to look at your calendar to see how are they lining up with what you value. And to take that to prayer. Uh, so if you are ready to fill this out, you are welcome to today uh, and bring it and place it in the offering basket. I'd also invite you to take it home and pray about it some more and see uh, what God will do in your heart, in your life. Uh, next week, we are going to have, uh, alongside of our friends giving, we are gonna have uh, uh, an opportunity when you can bring these forward uh, to celebrate the blessings that God has given you and the blessings that God is providing this church and the way God wants to use this church to bless our community. So we're doing Friendsgiving. It's all about gratitude and being grateful for what we find here, the, the community, um, how, the ways we can encounter Jesus in this place and the ways that we can connect to God, connect to other people. And in concert with that, we're gonna be celebrating the uh, opportunity we have to do our part within this larger thing that God is doing through the people of Spirit and Life. So I want to give you, provide you again, opportunity to go to God in prayer. I think the kids set us up nicely. We have one mouth and two ears. Uh, so maybe today we engage our ears in prayer a little more than our mouths. Um, but spend a few minutes with God and then I will close.